Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got another show featuring great lifestyle-changing information. This time it comes from uh, a very, very well-regarded registered nurse and lifestyle educator. Her name is Kay Barrero. Kay, it is great to have you with us on today's show. Thank you for inviting me. Kay, you and I have rubbed shoulders over the years, but it was only a few months ago that we really worked very closely together for the benefit of our listeners. I was lecturing in Florida in a couple of different venues. In one of those settings, Kay was actually coordinating, actually coordinated a couple of lectures that I gave at a community called The Villages, north of Orlando. And I really sensed as I was giving those lectures, Kay, you have quite a footprint there in this very rapidly growing retirement community. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there in the villages. Well, I um, it, it's a, a place where people are interested in learning and doing. It's a very active place. It's a large retirement center with about 120,000 people. Wow. And they have special interest groups over 2,000 special interest groups, or clubs, what they call them. Uh And um, when I first moved here eight years ago, I started a Healthy Choices Club once a month and where I would give a a health lecture and demonstrate a recipe. And I just wanted to share what I had learned over the years and what had been a blessing to me. That is such a tremendous uh, testimony, and I know it's made a huge impact because when you had me out there, many people were coming up. They were talking about Kay and the impact that she's had in the villages and how you've really helped uh, to educate people there in that community about living better and really living longer. Isn't that part of what your uh, messages have been focused on? It sure has. So, Kay, I know a lot of folks heard my introduction. They said you're a registered nurse. You're also a lifestyle educator. Tell us a little bit about your background. If I'm not mistaken, you've got roots both in California as well as in New England. Is that correct? That's right. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I graduated from associate degree of nursing from Atlantic Union College in Massachusetts. And I did various um, kinds of nursing, uh, mental health and and surgical and emergency room, intensive care, and different things. I just saw that so much of what I was doing was putting Band-Aids on people and sending them home and not really making a difference in their health and in their life. Hmm. And as I gave my heart to the Lord when I was about 30, I also saw that 
my body was a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I started taking seriously how I took care of myself to honor God. And as I was learning and implementing lifestyle changes in my own life, I wanted to share it with others. And I started in a very simple way, just in my my home church um, little community. I gave a little cooking school and gave little health talks, and and that's really kind of how I started. Wow. I, I just really respect people who catch that broader picture, whatever it is, and get motivated to care for their own health. In your case, it was a spiritual awakening from a, a Christian perspective, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I know many other people, it's uh, it's for their kids, it's their grandkids, or they tell me uh, there were needs there in their in, on their tribe, on the reservation, and they, they said, you know, someone's got to raise the bar. And seeing this bigger picture that my health is important, not just to me, but I am someone who's been given health, and I need to take responsibility for it. So basically, it's kind of that awakening that set you on a path that was very different than the path of many physicians and nurses who are just in these conventional settings. And you're exactly right. I've heard a lot of people categorize the typical medical practice or or nursing practice as just you know, taking care of sick people, bandaging them up and sending them out, and they come right back with the same problems. So you did some work with cooking classes. I know you were doing that in the villages as well. It sounds like that's something you've done quite a bit over the years. Yes. I Yeah, I sure have, um, both in the community and outside the villages and in the villages. And I guess wherever I've lived, I've I've done or helped her with cooking classes. Now, I'm thinking of some other folks who are listening in today. Some of them may say, well, I would love to make a difference in uh, the urban area I'm in. Maybe they're a Native American who lives in Mm -hmm. uh, Los Angeles or Chicago or New York City uh, or some smaller metropolis. And they're saying, I just would really like to make a difference. Maybe they are connected with many other First Nation peoples there, and they have a concern for their own people. Or maybe it's just uh, their neighborhood. that There may be not a lot of Native people, but they're they're interested in improving the health of their community. Maybe it's someone on a reservation. Maybe there's a tribal mm-hmm. center, and they say, wow, we're not doing cooking classes. Maybe I could get involved. Or maybe they're just a lot of these folks are just dismissing it. Whether they're Native or not, they're saying, well, I couldn't do a cooking class. I don't have any formal training as a chef or cook. Are are you someone who, before you went into nursing, had a lot of special training that allowed you to be comfortable teaching classes on cooking? No. <laughs> you know, in the beginning, it's it's an, it's all an experiment. And my first cooking class was on a tiny little standard little almost like a toy typewriter and and um i i really didn't know what i was doing i'd never done it before but you know, i i prayed a lot and i just shared some recipes that i had been making at home for my own family and it i invited friends so my first cooking class was amongst friends uh-huh and then as as you you learn 
by doing you learning you're learning actually and and then I found that uh, I wanted to share more with other people as well and so I've done cooking classes in libraries and YMCAs and community community halls and in people's homes mm-hmm. and so it's it's unlimited. Oh, and in doctor's offices, too. Okay. So the venues can be very varied. You know, this is such a powerful way to make an impact. And for people listening in today, you may be wondering how to change lives in your community. This whole idea of having cooking classes is really remarkable. You might just say, well, no one would come to a cooking class. But, mm-hmm. you know, Kay, you could probably tell me stories about the kind of people who've come to cooking classes that you've offered. Again, you have no special training in cooking. You're just sharing with people recipes that you've learned. I mean, have significant and influential people come to these classes, or are they only people that say, well, this sounds like a real losing you know, uh, effort, and I better just go because this sounds like so. it's so sad. I, I, I Probably no one will even come. I might as well just show up and try to encourage the person. Is that typically the attitude? No, the people that come are really excited. When you put on a cooking school, you're going to get various types of people from A to Z, the wealthy, the poor, the, you know, the the smart, the, you know, the influential and, and the common people. And I found that you can put ads uh, in the newspaper. When you're offering a community event, you can... Invite them, make it free. It has to, I mean, you don't have to pay for the advertising. You can just offer a community event for free. And then when people come, you can say, if you'd like to leave, this class is free. You can leave a donation if you'd like. And, you know, my costs have always been covered. And that way, a lot of people can know about it. And you're not investing a lot of, of money either in advertising. That is a great idea, and like you said, your costs have always been met. You, you're not running in the red offering right. these cooking classes. Kay, here's, here's something that, um, that I think is especially relevant on this topic, because some are listening and saying, okay, uh, maybe there is a, a potential to do something like this. But I'm, I'm going to just share something with you. I was some years ago speaking in, uh, in Portland, Maine, I was giving a number of of lectures in that area, and actually I gave health lectures or coordinated community programs, a number of topics. I actually lived in that area for several years, and the best attended health event that I had anything to do with it, and I really had very little to do with this particular event, was I had someone else uh, come to a community venue. They were a school teacher. That was their training. They had no training as a cook either. And I'm convinced they had more people come to their cooking class than any depression seminar that I was involved with or heart disease program or program for diabetes. It was just I was just really amazed to see the people that turned out for a cooking class. Are are people still coming out in large numbers where you do events like this? Yes. Uh, For cooking classes, they're labor intensive. You have to put your heart into it. Um, but cooking classes always draw, draw out more people than straight lectures. Okay. 
And I know some people might be getting scared. They might be saying, well, I don't want a lot of people to come. But like you said, you could just do it in someone's home. Just invite your friends and not put the ad in the newspaper when you're doing your first cooking class, right? Yeah, in Grand Cayman Island just a few weeks ago. Okay, okay. And we had about 80 people. So that is having sample plates for 80 people. We actually fed them a full meal plus the little sample plates. And, but the key is, is you're not alone. The bigger the cooking class, you get help. And we had wonderful, wonderful volunteers. You, can't, you cannot do it alone. So getting key people, someone with the same love for sharing with other people that you have. And, and really, I've all, I have not done many cooking classes alone. I always have help. Excellent. Well, some of you are saying, okay, well, this all sounds interesting and sounds great, but what is Kay actually teaching? What kind of cooking classes are you teaching? I mean, give us some background. What uh, What is a typical menu at one of your cooking events? Oh, I've gone with very, a lot of different themes, but basically it's a whole food plant-based cooking class Okay. without harmful condiments. And I actually prepare things without concentrated fats as in oils, but I use natural fats, nuts, seeds, olives, avocados, coconut. I vary the theme of the cooking class with the needs of the community or the wants of the people that are going to be attending. I've centered a whole cooking class around making different recipes with brown rice. Huh, okay. And um, I've had breakfast cooking classes. I've had dessert cooking classes, uh, entree cooking classes, soup cooking classes. So Kay, if someone looked at the menu, you've described it as an em- emphasizing these whole plant foods. Would most people call this a, a vegetarian cooking class or a vegan cooking class? Yes. Okay. Now, now for some people that may sound kind of scary, but if you're a regular listener to American Indian Living, you'll realize that Native American traditions, many tribal traditions, are largely based on these plant foods. And the medical research is showing that we benefit health-wise when we eat more of these foods. We're going to be back with more from Kay Barrero, Kay, registered nurse and lifestyle educator, will be telling more not only about her journey, but about some of the life-changing things that she's seen when people make simple changes in their diet. I think you're going to get a lot of encouragement from today's show, and it might even give you some ideas on how you can impact your family, your community, your tribe, whatever your focus is. So stay tuned for more practical information with Kay and Dr. DeRose. You're listening to American Indian Living. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke, and you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical. 
medical unit. Respond to 102 Maple Avenue. Possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose here. We're speaking with Kay Barrero, a registered nurse and lifestyle educator. We've been speaking about the amazing impact you can make by doing something as simple as learning healthier recipes and sharing them with other people. Whether you call it a cooking class or whether you just invite someone to your home and show them uh, the latest recipe you learned and actually maybe prepare it together, you can make a difference in your community. That's one of the messages that we've been focusing on with Kay. Kay, let's stop and, and take a, a broader perspective, and maybe I'll, I'll lead into it with, um, with a little bit of, uh, of background. I mentioned earlier in the show that you and I worked together uh, very briefly in Florida. I was speaking. I've been traveling some around the country and will be overseas uh, shortly, speaking about our new book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. We were there in Florida talking about high blood pressure and you had me there speaking in the villages. One of the interesting parallels between what we cover in that book and your own experience is in our hypertension book, we actually talk about intensive lifestyle change centers. I mentioned some of the research from a center that I worked at called Weimar Institute. But you have worked at a couple of these centers as well. Tell us a little bit about your work and uh, how you maybe first, before we even get to those centers, how you went from a conventional nursing practice and sharing with people and little talks that you might give in a church or community center and cooking classes to actually working full-time helping people change their lives. Yes. The first step was to make the changes in my own life and in my own home and then sharing it with my local church family and then some community cooking classes, and then I was invited to be the camp nurse 
for a youth camp mm-hmm. at Heartland Institute in Virginia. And while I was there, the director of the Wellness Center, which is a life, it's called Heartland Wellness Center. It's now Heartland Lifestyle Center. He invited me to come and be a nurse on staff for the Wellness Center. And so that's my initial uh, time when I was invited to do that. And I did not have you know, any experience that way, just what I had done in a small way in my own home and community. I was living in Massachusetts at the time. But I learned a lot there, grew a lot there, and, and shared and saw miracle after miracle through these live-in programs. So Heartland is uh, outside of uh, Washington, D.C., roughly. Is that my pretty good with the geography? Yes. And you left New England, came down into uh, northern Virginia there. You're basically in a totally different environment. You're not in the hospital anymore because you were a hospital nurse, weren't you? Yeah. So totally different environment and uh, basically in a what a lot of people would say would be a very strange setting for a conventionally trained nurse. Was it a bit strange or from the beginning did you just immediately resonate with uh, what was happening there? Well, I had already quit my hospital job and was doing odd jobs, baking bread and and doing babysitting and different things like that. I mean, it was God working in my life to transition me to to do this. I when I left hospital nursing, I had been doing more studying and I just knew that God had a different calling in my life and so I I quit my hospital job and I guess was just waiting for God to direct my path and he directed me to to Virginia to the wellness center. Now when folks hear about someone uh studying, reflecting, there must have been some inputs. I think previously you had told me some about your background but not on air. Yeah. And you apparently were reading some books, is that right? One of some of the things that influenced your change in perspective? Yes, some very wonderful books by Ellen G. White. She gave much inspired counsel to our church and there's just a wealth of information regarding health as well as many other topics, family and children and finances and and running, you know, businesses and all kinds of things. But of course, me being a nurse, I really focused in on on these these books that talked about health. Now, Kay, I have guests on my program who represent all kinds of different backgrounds spiritually. I have people from more traditional Native American spiritual perspectives. I have people who have joined me on the show from Jewish background, various Christian faiths. I've had folks who may come from more of an Eastern religious perspective, more of a, a secular or atheistic or agnostic perspective. But you mentioned our church. I'm assuming you're speaking about the Seventh-day Adventist church because that's where you attend there in Lady Lake uh, and the villages, right? That's true. So Seventh-day Adventists, if you're listening in today, you're not familiar with this particular group, Uh, Many are because they've been the subject of much medical research over the years because Seventh-day Adventists in general have been found to have a uh, longer lifespan 
and healthier lives than the average American. It's not just been studied in America. There are Seventh-day Adventists in Europe who've been studied in other places in the world where they seem to have improved health outcomes. And many do attribute it to um, not only following Bible principles, but also following things that were written by Ellen G. White, who was a prolific author in the middle to late 1800s and into the early 1900s. So that by way of background, Kay, a lot of folks who are listening, they say, well, I don't care about any of this religious stuff. Uh, I'm Native. I don't like what Christians have done in Indian country. But what I've noticed about Seventh-day Adventists is, in general, they're very respectful of Native traditions. In fact, I know Mm -hmm. many uh, Native Seventh-day Adventists, and um, they're, um, they're typically at Uh, the National Congress of American Indians, uh, doing health screenings and offering other things for people across Indian country. Many of my listeners may know them from that context because we we regularly record programming at NCAI. But I I mention all this to, to say this. Whether a person has had a life journey like yours, motivated by a Christian spirituality, there's a lot that anyone could learn simply by reading some words penned by a woman actually over a hundred years ago who really didn't have much in the way of formal education by the name of Ellen White. Is that a a safe assumption to make? It sure is. And the book called Ministry of Healing is is geared for is written for everyone. The majority, the great, great majority, I would say ninety nine percent of the the people that I am teaching and giving classes for are not Seventh-day Adventists. They are from varying backgrounds, all kinds of people. (laughs) Health is for everyone, and plant-based eating, we may be from different ethnic backgrounds, but our bodies all require the same nutrition. No, you're exactly right. And and what's so, so refreshing is that as I visit people throughout Indian country, many of them, if they talk with me about traditional foods, many times, and yes, sure, wild game was typically somewhere in the menu, but a lot of tribes heavily based on plant sources of nutrition, and people in Indian country are getting that message and turning back, and they're getting the health benefits. So with with all that going on, your journey Let's come back to where you were at there at Heartland Wellness Center. And you said, you described something as miracles. You saw people's mm-hmm. lives change when they got on these kind of foods and uh, got on a healthy lifestyle in general. What kind of people were coming there and what kind of changes did you see just in general? We had one couple come just on their honeymoon. They wanted a healthy, happy honeymoon, and they came on their honeymoon. And we had people that came for the sole reason to be able to quit drinking caffeine, caffeinated beverages, all the way to people with stage four cancer. Mm. You know, so all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds would come. And the programs were either 10 or 18 day programs. And at the beginning, you know, everyone was, they didn't know quite what was going to happen. But by the end of 18 days, we would have a going away lunch and we would open the floor for people to give their testimony. And people with tears would just share, you know, they'd lost weight, their pain was 
either gone or much, much improved. They were sleeping when they couldn't sleep before. They were having anxiety, and and that was gone. And, and, you know, blood sugars were coming down and cholesterol. We drew blood at the beginning of the program and at the end of the program, and blood work was improving. And they just could not get over how in such a short amount of time, just by eating healthy foods, going for walks, and having stress management classes, and we were praying for the people. They, they attribute, even non-Christians would attribute so much of it by saying, you know, people prayed for me here, mm-hmm. and I know that had a, a big dif- made a big difference in, in what I'm experiencing. Kay, we have got to step away just for a moment. Kay is going to be back with more life-changing stories from lifestyle centers and how you can make a difference in your community. We are going to be back, and I'm going to be sharing with you some of my experience that resonates with Kay's as well, things that really, I think, will help you see that there is hope no matter what health challenges you're facing today. Stay tuned for more on today's edition of American Indian Living. We will be right back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. 
Welcome back to American Indian Living, Dr. David DeRose. I'm speaking with Kay Barrero. Kay is a registered nurse. She also is a lifestyle educator. She's been making a difference in the U.S. and beyond you. I've just heard her speak, if you've been with us from the beginning of the hour, about how she was recently invited to the Cayman Islands and was helping people there improve their health. But Kay and I have uh, been dialoguing over the years. I actually have family in the Orlando area. Actually, my folks still live in the villages. And I dropped in on Kay's church probably... Oh, maybe a couple years ago, and I walked in, and I was surprised because you were speaking about using some of my DVDs in your <laughs> church. I, I, did I get that right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> so I think you were airing the Life Start series. Is that correct? Yes. So Kay was airing a, a series. I have a, a 12 presentations, half-hour presentations that are going through different health conditions. And did you show, what, one a, one a week, one a month? How did you do that in, in your community? It was one a month on Sundays at one, at 1 o'clock, and we would serve a full plant-based meal, and then we would show your half-an-hour DVD lecture and printed out all of your handouts that went with the lecture and self-tests that went with it and the recipes that were prepared for that day. And so we did it once a month, and people loved it. They they wanted me to continue, but after a whole year, I, I needed a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, that's one thing I want to encourage people. If you do not want to develop your own cooking schools or your own or your own health uh, outreach sharing, there's so many programs that are already in place that you can you can you can do. No, and it's um, it's a powerful thing just to get people together. We're speaking about lifestyle programs. We're going to go back there, but you know our our connection, Kay, just reminds us that. Even if someone doesn't go to a residential program, you can do things just like we began talking about with just little classes at a tribal center, a community center, a church, some other uh, uh, place of worship, faith community center, and um, and you can have a huge impact in your community, can't you? Yes. Well, Kay, one thing I want to give out, because you were very gracious at the break. You said you're happy to hear from folks that tune in. So if you want more information about different resources, whether they're my resources or other things that Kay has used, we're not going to, we're not here to promote stuff that, uh, that I've been doing over the years. But Kay has got uh, things that she's developed on her own. And you told me you're willing to, to share uh, recipes with people who may want some ideas on what to offer at a cooking class? Yeah. Okay, Kay's information, and this is what I've got in front of me. You correct me if I got it wrong, Kay. Simply info, I-N-F-O, at L-L-S-D-A dot com. Have I got that right? Yes. And it is dot com. It's not dot org or something else. Yes. Okay, and so that, I'm assuming, stands for Lady Lake uh, S-D-A, Seventh-day Adventist dot com? Yes. Okay, so LLSDA.com, the website. So info at LLSDA.com. Make sure you ask for K, and that's K-A-E, correct? Yes. 
So make sure you ask for Kay. So you got a question for Kay or one of the free recipes that Kay was offering because I know there's more than uh, one person that, that uses that address. At least that's what I've gathered. Yeah. So let's come back now to the, to the lifestyle centers. You were there at Heartland, and maybe by way of, of making the segue uh, real tight and bridging with, with Indian country, some of my listeners have probably heard me speak about some years where I worked in Oklahoma at a lifestyle change facility, presumably similar to what you were working in there in Virginia. I was working at a place called the Lifestyle Center of America. No reason to rush over there right now because that facility no longer exists. But the Lifestyle Center there was doing a lot with diabetes. We were treating a lot of people who had real serious problems with their diabetes. And we got a lot of interest in Indian country about what was happening there. We had many tribal elders come from different tribes. And in fact, one tribe was so excited about what happened to some of their elders that they actually started providing it as a tribal benefit. A number of tribal members from that particular tribe did come through our facility, as well as uh, individuals from other tribes. But they told me something very interesting as a group, as I talked with our First Nation participants in that lifestyle program. They would time and time again say things like, Dr. DeRose, this is the Indian way. This is our native way of doing things. Mm. And what they were referring to is it was not just giving people a bunch of drugs. We were actually getting them off their drugs and helping them use lifestyle therapies. And presumably that's what you were doing there at Heartland as well, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit more. There's people listening, and you said you had people with cancers and other diseases. Now, of course, we're not here to, to push cancer therapies that have not been validated, but I know many times people are given a diagnosis by health professionals. They say, there's nothing more we can do for you. You've gotten the chemo, the radiation, just go home and die. That's not an unusual situation. They're put on hospice. You were saying you had people with advanced cancer who came to Heartland, did some of them get help? Advanced cancer, as you know, is difficult to to reverse. Um, the sooner you treat cancer, the better, of course. I think the main thing with people that came in with advanced cancer, to Heartland anyway, was that they did not want to feel worse the last days of their life, and they they got the encouragement and the hope, and they had treatments to minimize their pain and to slow the pro- the progress of the cancer. Uh-huh. There were people that came who had had cancer and had surgery and came and didn't want the chemo that the doctors recommended, and they did well you know, staying on the lifestyle that was taught there and continuing some of the fever treatments at their own home. They did very well. Now, I appreciate you mentioning this. And and just by way of balance, for those of you who are, uh, you know, wondering what we're talking about here, um, let's let's mention two points, just just for clarity. The first one is, and I'll tell you my personal uh, opinion here, and that is I do not recommend people not follow medical advice, but I do recommend that people, if they're uncomfortable with uh, what a doctor is recommending, 
that they do get a second opinion. But we're not saying uh, if you're recommended to have surgery, don't do it. If you're recommended to have chemotherapy or radiation, by, by no means do it. That's not the position that I take. I, I, I say weigh things out, get the information, look at other options. And as Kay is sharing, sometimes other, other, other options are what we call complementary therapies. You may do everything the oncologist is saying, but you're also going to go to a lifestyle center. You're going to change your diet. Mm. And the research is actually showing there's some pretty amazing research. I'm thinking of research by Dr. Dean Ornish where he's actually shown that men who have prostate cancer, if they change their lifestyle, it actually turns the cancer genes off. Many of these genes are actually turned off. We call it epigenetics. So this is not just um, you know some quack therapy, but it actually is... Uh, scientifically validated that healthy lifestyle changes can help you do better with cancer. But the other place I want to go, Kay, is you mentioned this fever therapy. Tell us a little bit about what you're referring to there. What is a fever therapy treatment? When the body has a temperature, it is boosting the immune system. It's accelerating the activity and the production of the white blood cells. And so in fever therapy, we create an artificial, an artificial fever by putting people in a tub of hot water and monitoring their vital signs and keeping their head cool. It is a treatment to boost their own immune system. Now, what's so interesting in Indian country is many of my Native listeners will say, well, we believe and heating treatments as well. We may not call it a treatment. It may be, you know, in a spiritual context, but, you know, we believe in sweats, and, uh, you know, I, I go to the sweat lodge periodically. Whatever it is, it's very interesting that indigenous peoples, not just in North America, but in other parts of the world, I think of Europe, where they have the bath cure, the bods, as they call them in Germany, and this goes back centuries, where they realize that there's special benefits and artificially heating the body. And so this is happening in some of these centers. By the way, Kay, and I think you're probably aware of this, there are research centers that even if they're giving chemotherapy and radiation, they might be combining it with these heating therapies. They're saying when we combine it with heat, we get better results and maybe less side effects. So the whole point is there's a lot of natural things that happen in these settings that can make a difference, aren't there? Yes, indeed. Now, Kay, when we were off air at one of the breaks, you were telling me about something you thought was incredibly important, whether it's in a lifestyle center or whether it's in a community-based program. And maybe the way to make that bridge uh, the tightest is with uh, a topic that you and I were talking about in the villages. In our book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, we've got a whole chapter on social support social mm -hmm. connectedness. You mentioned this idea of social connections with me. Why do you think that's so important? People are telling me all the time, I so appreciate you having these meetings because I meet other people that are, are, have the same interests as me, on the same journey as me, that I can learn from and we can share together. Social support in, in in lifestyle changes is so important. I remember with my own personal experience, I had a core group of friends who were learning and implementing 
and on the same journey that, that I started. And as I look back, that was very helpful to me and encouraging. And it also helps you to stay focused on, on really what you want to do instead of getting off track because nobody else is doing it and it's too difficult. Um, the support and the encouragement and just the learning factor from each other. No, this is such a great point. And I, I know a lot of people, as they've been listening to the show, they might be minimizing the role that they can have. Kate, you've painted a picture where anybody, really, now, of course, you're not anybody. I mean, you've got special medical training and all, but, but you're really not a trained cook. You're saying anybody can learn some healthy recipes and they can share those with their community. Anybody can get some quality DVD resources and show them their community. And if you're saying that, why should I do that? People can watch the cooking channel, the foods channel. They can watch, you know, experts from Harvard or Stanford or wherever. Why should they come and watch some DVD that I'm going to put in there? It's because exactly what Kay just shared. It's about community. It's about social support. We've got more coming up. We'll give you more information about how you can contact Kay. You don't want to miss that and other things that can be life-changing for you. Stay tuned for our final segment of American Indian Living. We'll be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Kay Barrero, registered nurse and lifestyle educator. Kay and I were talking during the break about an amazing, amazing phenomenon, and that is some people actually resist the very things that would help them live longer and better. You and I have both seen that over the years, haven't we, Kay? Yes. You know, one of the things that I remember sharing there in the villages when you and I were working together, common slide that I show when I'm doing talks on high blood pressure, is I show a slide that comes from the fifth chapter in our high blood pressure book. And it's a slide that is representing data on some 90,000 Americans. They actually looked at their dietary practices in relation to whether or not they had high blood pressure and diabetes. So two separate graphs. You may remember the, the graph side by side up there. And what you see is the more meat and milk and eggs and cheese and related products that they get out of their diet, the less their risk of developing diabetes and high blood pressure. And whether I'm showing a slide like that, and I sometimes even show that very slide to my patients. They're sitting in my office. I have it on my my smartphone. I'll show it to them. Whether I'm talking about decreasing the risk of diabetes or high blood pressure or whether we're talking about pain management, like you mentioned, this kind of lifestyle decreases pain problems in many people. I sometimes have people say to me, plant foods, vegetarianism, forget it. Have you heard people say that in relation to your cooking classes over the years? Yes. Unfortunately, mostly men whose whose wives are really want to do better in the kitchen as far as healthy cooking. Mm-hmm. And the men are kind of uh, dragging their feet. <laughs> so does the food actually taste worse? Is that what the ladies come back telling you? I tried the recipe and my husband said it tasted like cardboard? No, not at all. Once they start, the, the wives start cooking the food and the men start eating it, they like it. I think it's just the idea in their head that, um, you know, plant-based food is just eating a carrot, you know. So what I'm excited about is you've been working with an elderly population. Why I'm excited about that is kind of the stereotype is older individuals, often fixed income, less money. Maybe they're not as mentally sharp as they used to be. They can't follow complicated recipes. How are you helping people who may be on a fixed budget, may not want to follow complicated recipes? How are you helping them actually use any of these things? Isn't it complicated to be a vegetarian? No, it's not. So much of the food, God has already prepared it for us. I really want the food to be healthy. I want it to be eye-appealing. I want it to be tasty, but I want and inexpensive, and I want it to be easy for them to make. So I really try to give simple recipes that can be easily learned and put together in the home. But with with the instruction that 
when you do not buy processed foods, there's going to be there is going to going to be more food processing in your kitchen, but it doesn't have to be complicated. And when you make a food once, it'll be easier to make it the next time. So the learning curve is there, but it's not steep. Great. So you have really got me excited about contacting you. I'm talking with you right now, but if you're listening in and you're saying, I'd love to know what these healthy recipes are that taste great, don't take a lot of time to prepare, and aren't real costly. They'll actually save me money. Kay is making herself available by way of email. You can reach Kay Barrero. That's K-A-E. You don't remember, need to remember how to spell her last name. And you simply write her at info, that's I-N-F-O, at L-L-S-D-A dot com. That's L-L for Lady Lake, S-D-A for Seventh-day Adventist dot com. And uh, she will actually send you some of the recipes that she actually uses in her cooking classes. So is it possible, Kay, someone listening in today say, well, I don't know if I could do this. But you'll actually give them enough recipes that they actually would have what they needed to do a cooking class in their home next week even? Sure. Wow. That sounds like a real opportunity. And, and you're doing it all for free. Is that true? Yes, I do. But like I say, I put out a little donation um, basket, and um, people are generous. Okay. So basically what Kay is saying, low barriers, anyone in your community, invite them to come, put out a donation box. And if your experience is like Kay's, you're not going to go into debt doing these kind of programs. Kay, we've been talking about things from simple, relatively simple, at least conceptually, things in the community where people are saying, hey, um, just come, come over to my house and I'll show you some recipes. Or come over to this little class in the tribal center. Or come over to uh, this community center. We, we've got a cooking class going on. To something much more complicated, much more costly, going to a residential lifestyle center. There's a number of them throughout the country. But here's the deal. What I really hear you saying is there's some common denominators. One of them is diet, and anyone can make dietary changes at home. Isn't that the case? Yeah. Now, are you just pushing something that you followed all your life? Were you always a vegetarian? You're just trying to convince other people that your mom was pretty smart? No, I was not always a vegetarian. So you learned about this, like you mentioned earlier, from books like The Ministry of Healing. And by the way, if someone was interested in that book, could you get them information if they uh, if they sent uh, to you there at that info at llsda.com? Yes. Okay. So so that's another resource there. You may have heard us mention it earlier, but I, I think, just, just for the record, Kay, I think that is one of the finest books ever written on health. Now, just, just by way of disclaimer, if you are put off by things that are Christian— it, uh, it is written from a Christian perspective, but the book was written, and if I'm not mistaken, 1905. It is still in print. It is still actually cutting-edge health information today. Um, the, the book talked about the harms of addictive tobacco, called it a slow, insidious, most malignant poison back in 1905. This was something like 60 years, six zero years before the Surgeon General said the same thing. 
So, Kay, it's a remarkable book, and it's pretty inexpensive, isn't it? It's very inexpensive, and, I mean, it made a huge difference in my life. That was one of the stepping stones that God put in my path to help me along my journey. Now, you may not know this, Kay, but I was so uh, impressed with that book that when I was teaching, I was actually teaching in the community college system in New England, teaching health professional students. Typically, at the end of a, of a class year, I would offer the students a free copy of the Ministry of Healing. And I, I told them up front, I said, if you're offended by something that's Christian, I mean, don't take one. But um, but many of them were excited to get that book because it really is a life-changing book. You know, the honest truth is I didn't know we'd even be talking about this book this morning um, before I did the show. And I actually had the thought that I wanted to read something in that book because it's got some of the most inspiring material toward the end of the book on dealing with stress, which is another huge problem. There's a chapter, In Contact with Others, and another one, Help in Daily Living. And I uh, was reading that this morning, not knowing anything at all that you would mention that book and uh, the impact that it had in your own life. A book that anyone from any background would just be so benefited by. So, if you don't have that pencil and paper out yet, get it out because one more time we'll give you Kay's contact information. She'll tell you how you can get a copy of the Ministry of Healing. She'll offer you free recipes, and uh, you don't want to, to miss an opportunity to connect with Kay. But, Kay, before we do that, we've got just a little bit more time. There is someone that's on the fence right now. They said, you know, I've been hearing about this woman doing things that are making a difference in her community. Do you have any words of encouragement for someone who may be thinking, well, maybe I should do something like Kay is doing? When it's an important part of your own life, you can't help but share it. And it may not be in the way that I have, but you can, everyone around us, no matter where we are, there's people with health issues. And when we have found things that have really helped us personally, we can share with others. So I would just say, just be in love with what you're doing yourself. Learn, grow, just progress in your walk with the Lord and, and with the knowledge of caring for our body temple. And then you will have all kinds of opportunities to share. Tremendous message, Kay. Our time has slipped away, but I promised you that contact information for Kay. It is simply info, I-N-F-O, at L-L-S-D-A dot com. Info at L-L-S-D-A dot com. We do have to run. I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.